I'm Kate Daniels. I think we believe that giving a child a good foundation in their early years is critical for future success. And that should mean all children, regardless of their circumstances, and most certainly if they end up in the foster care system. Being informed is key here. And Steve Pemberton is a man who can give us some of these critical insights. Steve actually defies the odds. As a foster child, to say he was in a negative situation might be called an understatement. Steve, though, had a dream and was determined. And in honestly sharing his story in A Chance in the World, Steve offers us the opportunity to learn and figure out where we fit in to be part of the solution. So let's meet Steve and begin the journey. Steve Pemberton, good morning and many thanks for being with us today. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is really my pleasure to have you join us and to uh, to talk about life and experiences and perseverance and determination and all that can be accomplished when uh, when life looks so dire, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So we have this incredible memoir you've written, A Chance in the World, that itself, I think, speaks volumes. And I just appreciate that you have so eloquently stated and you know, felt that you could share this story, which I think has such implications for all of us, uh, but certainly for those young people that get, and there's so many of them, uh, who get lost in the foster care system in our country. No, very true. The, the very title of it, um, A Chance in the World, is both the both the story and the lesson, and that's how I see it. Uh, I uh, decided on that title uh, because uh, of a diary entry uh, from a babysitter who uh, was tasked with uh, bringing me to a home where my mother uh, had reached an agreement that they would take me in for a couple of days. My mother did this often. Uh, Sometimes she came back, Kate, and sometimes she didn't. And this one particular time the babysitter picks me up, he's so, he's so troubled by what he sees, her inability to take care of herself, let alone me, um, middle of a losing battle with alcoholism. But he, he still drops me off at the latest family. And uh, when he goes home, uh, he writes in his diary, he says, this little boy doesn't have a chance in the world. Um, and when I read that many, many years later, uh, I thought therein was the lesson, actually, uh, that all I needed was a chance in the world. And that's what had become my life mission all along, just, just trying to find that chance. Uh, and, and I think many of us are, found ourselves in similar situations. We have these quiet whispers in our heart that we just want a chance, a chance at a better life, a chance at a new beginning. Um, it's this much more universal story uh, that I wound up writing. Indeed, I feel that this story has uh, such a message for really each and every one of us, and particularly for for those children who, like yourself, were in such dire circumstances, and still there's that spark of hope that seemed to just burn that... It's it's amazing that you could survive all of that. I think that really then implies that that it's possible because look at you now. Yes, in, in fact, I, you know when when you wind up um, 
being moved around from foster home to foster home as much as I was. None of them particularly good. And, and we, we, we should acknowledge readily so that there are many wonderful foster families. That was not my experience, but, but there certainly are so many kind, caring, giving individuals who open up their homes, uh, sometimes temporarily um, as a court-appointed special advocate um, um, or temporary placement, and some, of course, of, of longer term. Um, uh, but that we also regrettably so have another uh, story, too, of, of uh, families who uh, or individuals who exploit, you know, the, the many uh, gaps in the system, you know, for economic advantage. So that's, that's ultimately what I experienced. But ultimately, I, I was destined to defeat uh, this one particular foster family where I lived for over 11 years. But if you look at the long span of time, I was always going to defeat them. And not necessarily because of any particular attributes that I had, but uh, because I love to read and be, because I did, I developed an alternate vision of the world than the one that I was immersed in on a daily basis. So I had a North Star. And then uh, these everyday heroes showed up uh, at very, very important, in very important moments to help nurture and help guide me towards that North Star. Yes, it was very evident from a young age that you had this ability to read and and, and that curiosity and uh, that you called them your heroes. And I was thinking about them as angels, like a neighbor, a Mrs. Levin, who noticed that and brought you books. And what a treasure that was for you. Yeah, she absolutely was on, on, on many levels. Um, uh, you know, I found it to be, um, you know, so... Um, you know, so important, especially when I met her later. When I met her later, she had no idea of the impact that she was having upon me. You know, she, um, yeah, in fact, I, over the years, I'd always wanted to ask her, well, how did that happen? You know, so um, just to give you context, she uh, actually, uh, you know, saw me reading the same book over and over again and um, wanted to know um you know, why I was reading the same book over and over again. And I, I told her that, um, well, I just go back to the beginning and I hope I see something new. And um, so later on that night, she brought me uh, a box of books, which she did many times over those 11 years that I was I was in that home. And most times, Kate, I never saw her. Um, you know, amidst all of the darkness that was that home, um, you know, where hunger and... Um, physical violence, emotional um, neglect. I mean, it was just it was a staple of that family. So every day you're living in some kind of fear. You know something's going to happen to you. You just don't know what. Um, but I would see those books in that box, and so I knew that she had been there, and I knew that she saw something. Well, many years later, I asked her, you know, when I found out, why'd you do that? Did you know what was happening? And um, she said, no, I, I didn't know. Um, and so I pressed her and said, okay, uh, so why? Because she could have kept walking. And she said, oh, that, yeah, well, I was just doing something my mother told me to do. Give from where you are with whatever you have. All I had to give you were books that my boys no longer read. And so that's what I gave to you. And some 35 years later, I got to share with her just how important 
that box of books actually was. Isn't that phenomenal? There Again, there's such an incredible lesson to give from where you are. And that really was such a, a, a core for you that, that developed you or helped develop the person that you have become again, just that knowledge and enrichment and, and probably larger than that, the hope that it gave you. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd say that it was something higher than hope. Hope for all of its power and all of its universality is still, it's still a waiting game. It still asks you to wait. Belief, to me, sits on a slightly higher plane because it requires action. And that's what ultimately it gave me. So it wasn't, you know, I, I read as much as I did, so it gave me hope, but it also gave me belief that I could realize it too. And so as a result, I just become this like force of nature that's quietly kept. Nobody really knows this but me. Uh, so this idea that I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to find my family. I'm not going to get to college. I'm not, it didn't even occur to me because I believed that it was possible. Mm-hmm. And then I had these victories that came along. Mrs. Levin is one, uh, but there were many others uh, along the way. And I think there is a lesson that, you know, hope at some point has to be met with belief or it dies. That is powerful. And, and to realize that in really these really dark circumstances that you were immersed in, being starved, being beaten, still that hope that translates to belief still could exist. It just is so incredible how strong the spirit can be, or is really. Absolutely right. Uh, that, um, and particularly in... And, and difficult times, that's ultimately the question. You know, where, how can we unlock that? Because I think it's there somewhere in all of us. And in some cases, at a very young age, we have to summon it. You know, we have to call upon it to build a new beginning, create something different than what you've inherited. And ultimately, that's what I, I, I came to learn. I, I didn't ask for that. Uh, I just inherited a set of circumstances that... Nobody puts their name to, and no parent wants that by and large for their children. But you inherit things. But you're not measured by what you inherit. You're measured by what you build. And you have really built so much, including your charitable organization, A Chance in the World, where uh, your story, your experiences have to really, along with this book too, uh, really opens it up more to the world. But that lends the that credibility and then that realization that this is what he came from. He's helping to support me. I can do this too. Absolutely. In, in fact, Kate, can I tell you that I, though I lived through that experiences, through those sets of experiences, when I was sitting down to write it, my initial vision was twofold. Um, primarily, I wanted to get the story down for future generations of Pembertons, because I didn't know where I'd come from, who I belonged to, and I didn't want that for my children. I wanted them to have a sense of history. So that was 
purely my intention. I, it wasn't even a cathartic exercise. I wasn't writing it, so I would be healed from it. But as I did, I realized um, uh, right after it was published uh, that I had written chapters of other people's lives. And so they would write to me and still do from all over the world. And they say, you know, you wrote a chapter of my life. And they write me from Africa and Ireland, India and Japan. And so um, I, and, and they're also, they're in, they're literally in the very situations that I was in. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, so they're seizing on something I said, uh, seeking advice, counsel. And that was the genesis for creating the foundation called A Chance in the World that my wife and I um, focused on uh, children aging out of the foster care system in particular because we wanted, we, we, we wanted to intervene and help at a very particular point in time. So a lot of times, Kate, it's just, it's just the simplest of, of things, um, whether it's um, going to the mall uh, to pick out a dress for prom or, you know, a, a fee waiver for um, a college application. And, and, and probably most importantly, just you want an opportunity to feel normal. Uh, so you don't want the, world, the the labels of at risk and underserved and underprivileged applied to you. You want to be like everybody else. You want to go to homecoming games and um, and join uh, student organizations, and you you want to be a teenager like everybody else. Um, so that uh, you know, so that's one of the elements. But the other is just the longer term. You know, the numbers of, of college readiness. The percentage of those in foster care who are aging out is extraordinarily high and growing. You know, college readiness numbers for that population is down. College graduation uh, is um, less than 1% for that population. So our foundation is trying to help you at very critical points in time get you to the next stage of life. And so it's interesting that it is really so young yet and that it came from the awareness that you your story was really touching others and that there was this great need yes one that, that i i completely underestimated i, I uh, you know i had no idea uh how impactful and important it would actually be uh, until you start hearing not just from you know, young people in circumstances, but you hear from adults. I probably hear more from adults than I do from young people. And what I mean by that is adults who grew up in foster care or whose parents adopted or whose you know, siblings are, uh, uh, were, were adopted or thinking about adoption. So there's these common threads of humanity and, and connectivity that, uh, that the story has allowed me to see um, and it's always inspiring, Kate. It's very, very uh, humbling when a, like just, just this morning, a um, young woman in a uh, master's uh, social work program wrote to me because the book has been required reading in a lot of graduate schools of social work. And she's writing to me saying just how important it was to her to affirm this life choice, career choice, in essence, that, that she had made. Um, 
And then lastly, um, there is such um, there's such dissonance and negativity and cynicism in the world. Uh, it's almost become the denominator of culture, the ways in which we engage and act, interact. You know, two screaming heads on cable television over a policy issue, um, looking past uh, human suffering. Um, certainly, our, our political discourse is the wrong ladder uh, that we should use to solve these challenges. And what I've learned from hearing other people's stories is that it's the everyday hero. These, these people, a lot like you and I, we get up every day, we do the best we can for for our community, for our family, uh, for for our country. We're not in the limelight. We're not public figures. We're not, the, we're not on the nightly news. We're not celebrities. I, I have learned and am so inspired by the ways in which I see so many people contribute to their local communities. Uh, I get to be on the receiving end of that um, because of the number of events that I, I have a humble uh, privilege of, of attending and being a part of. It's always inspiring to see how many people are giving back uh, and giving forward to their community. Those are words that we really need to embrace in our hearts and live by because there is such truth in them. And uh, I'm going to go back to that word of hope where we might feel that so much is just uh, sliding downhill to realize that each person has this role. Each of us can contribute and make such a world of difference just as you are doing in and I can hear it in your telling of the story, how humble you are in approaching it. Uh, you you speak volumes to us, Steve. Oh, thank you, Kate. It, it, it is a, an honor to have something. I'm sure we've all had moments like this where you feel just something. Um, I'm aware that I'm the subject of the movie and I'm the subject of the book. But how I, how I think about it, it's almost as if something's happening through me, you know? Um, it's almost as if there was a reason you endured all of it, that you came through intact, that you built a legacy, a positive legacy from it. Yes. But it wasn't necessarily for you. It wasn't, you're to be the example of what's possible uh, and not to get caught up in all of the affect. Uh, and so I'm reminded of that on a, on a daily basis. You know, in the sense that, you know, my victory... I, like I've had my victory in, in having family, my own family, my wife Tanya and our three children. Now the mission is, well, how can I help others find their victories? How can I help them find their chance in the world? And how do your children feel of this, hearing, uh, knowing of the story, seeing the movie? What's their reaction? I, to be honest, I think they're they're underwhelmed by their dad. You know, I don't think that they, you know, I'm just dad. Yes. Um, uh, my suspicion is that as they get older is when it will have its greatest effect. Uh, as they enter into, they're teenagers now, but as they enter into adulthood and then in the future when they become parents, that's when I, I suspect that the greatest impact will be then. You know, they are though, uh, close enough to a lot of situations now where they see, um, you know, how important this is to so many other people. 
So I often take them um, uh, with me uh, to very specific events so they get to see, um, you know, just how important it is to be of service, to have a positive impact, to make connections, um, you know, to, you know, to give back to the world. Um, uh, because I, I, I wanted to be an example of, to them, of, you know, one of your fundamental questions that you have to ask is, well, how can I be of help here? How can I impact the life in a positive way? Um, and then in terms of, you know, the, the family specifically, they have three different reactions, you know, my, my, all of which are instructive for us. Uh, my son, my oldest boy, wants to know how come no one intervened? Why didn't they do something, say something? Um, my younger one um, is more of the um, uh, take a stand uh, and he would want to go visit the, the foster family in particular and have a very uh, blunt conversation about what they did to his dad, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, you know, my daughter, on the other hand, uh, is um, is more in a space of that. I, I really hope that you're okay now. Mm-hmm. And of course, she doesn't voice it exactly that way, but that's her. And I I, I try to convey to them that they and their mom, they were the healing element. That's what was so healing, was becoming a husband and father. That's when I could finally put that pain away and say, not only could I put it away, but I understand that it had a purpose, actually. And you know, that piece of it, Steve, uh, is so important. I feel that, you know, we need that kind of awareness to rather than to feel the victim, which would be mm-hmm. so easy to do, is to realize there was this purpose to grow from it. Doesn't condone it in any way, but to to just take something from it and reshape it so that it's just so great that your life is is greater for it. Yes, and ultimately the question: So, what are you what are you going to do? Yes, you know. What, what are you going to do about it? Um, because ultimately, regardless of the lens through which you look, um, and, and this is a message that I convey to young people, that you're measured by what you build from it. You, know, you come into the world in a set of circumstances that were not of your doing, you know, circumstances, but you're measured by possibilities. And so the real question is how quick can you move from the circumstances over which you had no say, to the possibilities over which you have every say. I remember as a young boy, uh, this almost visceral reaction I would have to anybody who looked at me with pity, or uh, a sense that I was broken, because I, I knew that you would not help me reach my North Star. And, and so I still have a heightened awareness about that now. I, I'm still, and I can see it in others, you know, sometimes, not necessarily with me, of course, but how they engage with the children. You know, one of my um, 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 other benefactors was a director of an Upper Bound program, and uh, I overheard her say to a, to a, a counselor one time um, of me, he said, that, that young man's going to change the world. And so she looked at me like that. Now, the truth is, every single person in her program 
she thought that up. Like she thought we were all going to change the world. But she dealt with me in that way. She dealt with all of us. So that means the, the expectation was higher. She would not let you embrace feeling sorry for yourself. Um, because she knew that fundamentally it wasn't going to change unless you decided to own the circumstances and build the possibilities from it. And I'm still on that mission. I suspect I'll always be on that mission. Mm, yes. I mean, a cycle had to end, Kate. A cycle had to end. And so it has. And in that process comes this book, A Chance in the World. There's now the movie that came out earlier this year, A Chance in the World. And so the message continues to grow. It obviously is such a critical message that we need to know. So the movie uh, is is a great resource too for people. I think the book though um, is really important because of of the real detail and that we can immerse ourselves in it, just as you immersed yourself in books. Sure. I mean, the, the books are, will always be better than, than movies, generally <laughs> speaking. You have to somehow, you know, my narrative is when all of a sudden done on your 70-year story that I done on a screen, you have to condense down to uh, less than two hours. Right. Um, a book, you don't, you're not nearly as, as constrained. Uh, but in this digital world, it's important that you have all different formats because it's to me, however, however we can get the message to you is always the objective. Uh, what we did uh, in back in May uh, was we had a, uh, a one night showing of the film in theaters all across the country. And through my foundation, we were actually able uh, to bring children to theaters from, uh, from social service agencies all across America. And we were able to do that because of the wonderful support of uh, one of my sponsors, uh, RSM. They were just you know, extraordinary. I mean, they're a tax and auditing firm, and yet they're so wedded uh, to the importance of you know, families and stories of resilience and adversity. So it was quite a magical evening to see these children in theaters all across the country. I mean, they were... You know, they were sharing these narratives on social media, uh, carrying the movie, because it was a chapter of their life, too. And when the film will be digitally released uh, on demand in January, and it'll be released here uh, in America, but in 58 countries across the world, because of the universality of the story. So you're right, it's going to take on another, another new chapter uh, in the beginning of the new year. Oh, just... That just feels, it gives me chills thinking about then uh, how many more people will be reached. They'll go back to the book wanting to get more of the detail. And and speaking of the digital, of course, there's your website. Let's mention that because that's a great resource as well. It is. Uh, you can certainly find me on social media, on any of the major platforms uh, under I, Steve Pemberton. Um, but you can also find me uh, on my website, uh, io is like .com. It's just the newer, uh, newer lexicon. Get us keep up with the younger generations, <laughs> of which my children are firmly enhanced. Uh, uh, but I, I love to hear from people. I love to hear their stories, especially as I've begun working on my next book, which is about persistence. Uh, as I have journeyed through the first book, 
and the stories I've heard, I, I hear so many extraordinary stories of kind of like these persisters, I call them. And they, they have some lessons to teach us. And so I always want to hear from people about their, why did they persist? What are the things that motivated them? What were their North Stars? And from that will come a uh, the next book, because I do, to your earlier question, I, I want people to take away from this. The story is important and impactful, of course, but the lessons to me are greater. And what I want you to be able to do is walk away from the story with this realization that you can do what I did. Well, that's the thing is uh, it is inspirational in that way. And I, I'm looking forward to the new book because to find what is it that really inspires and moves people forward as yourself, you know, and in reading stories, of course, we feel empowered and we realize, oh, that's what touches me. So you are just such a beautiful soul, Steve Pemberton. I just so greatly appreciate that you are doing this work, that you are so inspired and inspirational, and for taking time with us this morning. Well, thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.